Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The municipal election is uh, coming up next Monday, and uh, CHML's coverage, uh, extensive coverage, uh, will begin uh, just as the polls close, actually before the polls close, and then they will have up to the second information for you. Uh, we'll be broadcasting from Hamilton City Hall. But uh, we are looking with great interest on what's going on across the bay at the same time, that being the city of Burlington, where there is a very interesting uh, race in, in a number of wards and, of course, for the mayor's chair. So we want to spend a little time talking about that today. And, uh, and of course, uh, CHML Sarah Kane is going to be at Burlington City Hall for the election coverage next Monday night. She joins us here in studio, a reporter, anch- news anchor, of course, that you hear all the time here on CHML. And Burlington resident. That's right. Good to have you here. Thanks for Thanks coming for in today. Me, uh, I, I'm getting the sense, and I've tried to read as much as I can. I've talked to some folks I know out in Burlington, and and if I could just capsulize this, the, what I'm getting from this is this is all about downtown. Absolutely. I, and I mean, they have other issues. They have affordable housing issues. They have all sorts of things, just like every other city does. And 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 I know that's important to some people, but it all seems to center around about a seven or eight block area downtown and what's going to happen with that and what is happening with it. Yeah, and the tension has been building over the last, I would say, few years over this issue as more and more applications for high-rise buildings crop up. And most of them are, they're looking at the downtown in certain blocks and certain areas. Martha Street has a 26-story one that was approved while it went to the OMB and then they handed it over to the developer and gave it the green light. So that's just one of many. And so they're processing these applications. And now we've got kind of two candidates that are, uh, well, many candidates, but the, it really has kind of divided between, of course, the incumbent, uh, Mayor Rick Goldbring, and then on the other side of things, Mary and me Ward is also in this race. Of course, another name is Mike Wallace. So there are a few people, but I mean, that is the issue that they're talking about. And that started uh, long before this election uh, was on anybody's horizon. I mean, uh, uh, Marianne Mead Ward, of course, is the councillor, was the councillor. She's given up her seat to run for the mayor's job, but uh, for the downtown area. And of course, uh, they they clashed uh, on a number of these projects that were going forth. And there's been a lot of acrimony uh, uh, on the whole council, but especially with uh, with Mayor Goldring and with Marianne Mead Ward. Certainly. I think the mayor was definitely, I mean, as they do, trying to build some kind of consens- consensus around, you know, certain buildings, trying to negotiate, you know, what those, uh, you know, how far they would go in terms of how high these buildings would be allowed to be built. But Mary Mead Ward talked to residents, had residents groups that were coming forward to her and saying, you know, we're worried about the parking. We're worried about the infrastructure. Do we even have, you know, for sewage, you name it, um, the shadows that this will cast, the way that this will change the feeling of our downtown core. You used to live down there. I did, yeah. Just and, and you, you, right across you, from Spencer Smith Park. Exactly, and uh, so you've you've seen what's going on there, and and, and I've talked to a number of residents about this, and uh, I talked to Mayor Goldwing, talked to Rob McIsaac when he was the mayor about that, and there was something that certain charm to downtown Burlington. You know that there was going to be growth, and there was some commercial activity that was going on there, but at the same time, uh, you know, all the things that they've talked about and debated here: building heights, uh, the character, the streetscape. Uh, the facades of the buildings. There's something unique that that I think a lot of people found quite charming. Plus the fact that there are so many wonderful heritage buildings within a block of the downtown. That's right. That's th- that, th- I guess the fear here is that's all going to change now. Yeah, I think that definitely is the fear. I mean, we've got this little area to the Village Square, which I think is underutilized, and there's some opportunities for businesses to pop in there. I'm not sure if that will be targeted, but it's kind of got that cobblestone feel, and it's got that kind of homey downtown feel that people are looking for when they're popping into shops. Well, 
I mean, one of the most famous spots, one of the, our favorites, of course, is Emma's Back Porch. Now, that's on the waterfront. Yep. They're building, what, a, a 26-story building right beside right it now? Right beside it, yeah. That's the one. It, yeah, uh, the yeah it's, it's, it kind of changes the landscape, doesn't it? It does. And, I mean, they're also looking at what they're calling the kind of an, an ominous stone, the Twin Towers across from uh, City Hall. I mean, and that is just going to absolutely change the feeling of that street. I mean, City Hall itself is going to look tiny next to these two tall towers if they do get built. Well, they've already gone through one appeals process on that one. I guess That's the right. other one is, is going to have to be dealt with by the new city council. Uh, but there's got to be a certain frustration. I, I talked to a number of uh, neighbors in that particular area because mm-hmm. they obviously have rallied now on this issue and uh, demanded that the council actually take a stand on this. Uh, yet when the tribunal, and it'll be the tribunal, and right. not the OMB anymore, but when the tribunal comes back, uh, and rules on this, uh, I, I think you're going to find an awful lot of frustrated people. This may be happening in spite of the fact that everybody else is, uh, seemingly everybody seems to be opposed to what's going on. And I think people are just looking for someone to champion that cause. I think maybe there is an understanding that it is to some degree out of their hands. It'll go to a tribunal now and, and then we'll see what happens. But they want to see someone standing up for the downtown and Obviously, Mary Mee Ward, that being, you know, she was a counselor for that ward, uh, has been really at the front and center of that. And uh, we've also, you know, heard about these growth targets and what's going on there and some of the pressures coming from the province. So it's a it's a difficult position to be in and try to negotiate in the city. It really has very few places left to grow, and so they're trying to stick a lot of this development in the downtown core. Why don't they just take over Waterdown? Yeah, that that may have come up. <laughs> Is anybody talking about that? They did when initially uh, Mayor Rick Goldbring had gone uh, to Queen's Park, brought it up, and uh, of course we did hear the reaction from even people here and Hamilton councillors, the mayor mm-hmm. himself, very disappointed to hear that uh, they weren't approached at least first to have that conversation. Uh, and I mean, he had said at the time that what he's hoping is for a moratorium on those growth targets, that that is what he would prefer to see so that they can really work this out and and talk about it at length before, you know, jumping to those conclusions. But he also kind of threw that out there, too. So that's uh, it has been an interesting topic of discussion for Burlingtonians. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to be a one-day story, and, and, and I don't think anybody at Queen's Park even responded to it. So I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if anything happened about that. But but there are other issues. I mean, the downtown, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Sarah, is, is obviously going to be key. I mean, even if you're living north of, of, of you know the, the QEW, you're still concerned about downtown issues. Absolutely. And I, you can see, not that signs vote, but I mean, you can you can see in the area what that looks like. You can if you go to Eldershot, if you go a little bit, you know, if you're going up water down road for the part that still is Burlington. There are the, and you talk to people in those areas, you get a sense that, that this is a big issue for them, too. So what else are we talking about here? Like I say, there's the usual shopping list here of things like affordable housing, uh, infrastructure. I know that uh, the, the last council spent an awful lot of time on their official plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and about where they're going to grow, which is really, I guess, the uh, part of the greater problem here. I mean, we focused on the downtown, but there are other areas that are, are slated for growth, too, like around the GO stations. Yep, they're uh, trying to s- do that transit hub just in the same way that Hamilton would, but they're trying to really build around transit hubs and make that uh, a focal point. There is one right on Branch Street and that has been, you know, redone in that area, and so there's towers going up there as well. Aldershot has some some growth and some redevelopment happening as well. Of course, the solid gold building um, that we know about there on Eldershot is being uh, is being taken over, and they're looking at putting an application for 
Not something quite as tall as some of the applications that have been submitted for downtown, but something there. Uh, Georgian Court, also in Eldershot, they're looking at redoing that whole housing complex. There, so is there a sense, lot going on. Is there a sense of inevitability that this stuff is going to happen? Uh, as we've seen growth, and, and Hamilton's experienced this to a certain extent, so why wouldn't Burlington, uh, this move from the GTA? As, as the GTA becomes less affordable and, and obviously people that want to, you know, live in high rises or whatever mm-hmm. uh, can't afford it anymore, they're going to start looking to areas. And developers obviously have seen that. I, I don't want to call it an invasion, but there's certainly a, an influx Absolutely. Of, of out-of-town developers that are just looking at Burlington, especially along that waterfront and in the downtown. And and thinking this is this is the next uh, place we're going to make a stand. Yeah, they want those accessibility points. Is it still going to be easy for me to get to work if I if I work in Toronto or somewhere along the way? And it's a beautiful community. It's uh, you know it's been recognized on numerous lists for you know the different amenities and and the beauty that it has as as does Hamilton. So I mean this is the natural place for things to go. And I think the people that are already living in those neighborhoods just want they're not necessarily against growth from what i i can gather at least it's just within reason let's not go you know crazy let's not compromise the feeling that we have created in our communities well and the other thing that always concerns i think a lot of people is displacement and and i know that's going to happen with some at the to use your phrase the twin tower projects uh there are a couple of shops that are located right on the main street there that are going to have to leave, basically, including the well, the vegan uh, bakery. Yeah, Kelly's uh, Bake Shop. No um, relation, by the way. Yeah. Although I have met her, she's a wonderful yes. lady, and yes, uh, and and, th- and they make great stuff, by the way. But the, the reality here is, you know, she's concerned, obviously, that not only am I going to have to move, but or you know, that even if there's going to be commercial on the ground floor there, which they're planning, mm-hmm. uh, you got to figure the rent's going to be a lot higher than what she's paying right that now. That was just what I was going to say. I mean, if you talk to Mary Me Board about this, I mean, that is one of her biggest talking points about some of these buildings that are coming in they are offering commercial on the ground but first they're going those businesses are going to have to survive that construction phase they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do in the meantime and then they don't know what they're coming back to they don't know if they're even going to be able to afford what is already you know as you can imagine it's it's pricey to be in the downtown core so they don't even know what they're coming back to what that's going to look so this like. is like commercial ge- uh, gentrification then yeah, I mean, we talked about that from a yeah. residential standpoint, but in other words, these commercial businesses are, are being, they say anyway, being driven out of the core. Absolutely, yeah. More often than not, we're talking about the on the other side, but this is definitely a, a commercial displacement of business. And this, this is a time when I think Burlington really needs to start generating and taking up some different spaces that are still open in, in the downtown. So if we're kind of pushing out some of the ones that are already there, I mean, I don't know how much that's going to be a draw for people. Are people even going to want to go downtown? Well, I, and I, I would suggest, yeah, they are. And I, I, I'm going to submit that maybe Burlington is actually a victim of their own success yeah. uh, because they've done a lot of things right over the years. I mean, they've all, every t- place has warts. We get that. And there have been some, some arguments. But they finally got the waterfront. Did. They got the pier done. They did they get the took, pier done, It took yes. them about 100 years, but they finally got the pier done. Spencer Smith Park that you referenced is, is just a beautiful place. Uh, so that's there. The Performing Arts Center, which opened in a, few, in a few years it's ago. It's an incredible right now. place to go, yes. So in other words, in a, in other words if, if I wanted to live in a condo in Burlington, I'd probably want to live downtown because all the amenities are right there. You would. It's It's got everything. So at the, so there's a demand there, maybe not necessarily from the residents who are already there, yeah, but that's right. from others that want to move there. To, to do this. So, they, I mean, there's there's just these conflicting forces that are coming and they're meeting downtown. That's the battleground. 
yeah, uh, people trying to imagine, you know, all all those more more people, all the feet on the street, what that's going to look like. Do we have the parking? I mean, what is the congestion and traffic going to look like downtown? No, so you don't like, have the parking. That's right. Anytime we I've gone don't. downtown. So, I mean, yeah, we do have some, as you mentioned, some of those great anchor spots that will always bring people down. I mean, the park alone, Spencer Smith Park is beautiful. But I think that's maybe another fear, too. You talk about um, the building that's near um, Emma's obscuring or completely blocking the view to such a gem. I mean, you don't want to see you don't want to see what what Toronto did. We're all you can't see the waterfront. Looking into someone else's window. Yeah, looking at someone else's building. That's not the waterfront is totally a you know drive along the Gardner, or if even if you live there, you can't see the waterfront unless you've bought one of the condos that's right facing the water. That's ridiculous, and they I I can understand they don't want to do that, and they've done they've done a pretty good job of protecting against that now. But it just seems as if this large influx of development right now is causing them to rethink a lot of this stuff. I think so, too. Now, what's this going to do to voter turnout? You would always hope that any kind of issue like this, I mean, I always want to see a a strong voter turnout, no matter what the issues may be. But I think it might drive people this time. I mean, you've got an incumbent, uh, this mayor, Mayor Rick Goldbring's been there two times. He's running again. So, I mean, will people kind of stick with his vision or are they really that worried about the downtown core? I guess that's what we'll see and all of these developments, whether it be downtown or elsewhere, and and kind of weighing in on, you know, you said maybe it's just a one-story uh, thing, but uh, talking about water down and these kind of efforts to see where go- growth could go elsewhere. I mean, we'll see if how that all plays out, but I think it will drive people to the polls. I'm always fascinated to see what the advanced polling numbers were, because uh, that usually indicates that people are in, you know, getting into it, and uh, I haven't seen any numbers on that. Actually, to that point, uh, Burlington is a a little more advanced than Hamilton, a lot more advanced. No, they have online voting, like like a lot of other municipalities are starting to adopt right now. And that's helpful. So I think that's probably going to be a factor too. Uh, You're going to have a busy night on Monday. I am. It's going to be exciting to see what happens and uh, who turns out and what this is going to look like. Well, uh, we'll be watching and you and I will be talking about it back and forth as we uh, converse from across the bay. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very interesting races in Burlington. And Sarah Kane, of course, from CHML News, will be there covering it. Thanks for this today. Thanks, Bill. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. As I mentioned on my uh, commentary at 810 this morning, it is not unusual to hear about some underhanded tactics during election campaigns, especially at the municipal level. Uh, The usual stuff, you know, stolen lawn signs, common practice. And uh, you read the literature, well, truth often takes a backseat to bombast. But it seems to have reached a new level in the mayoral race in Burlington. Uh, The attacks on Burlington mayoral candidate Marianne Mead Ward have taken the political vitriol to a new low. Uh, there was a flyer distributed last week uh, that comparing Mead Ward and incumbent Mayor Rick Goldwing. Now, the flyer accuses Mead Ward of being irrational, calculating, and manipulative, as well as possessing a poor understanding of numbers. It goes on to suggest that she's fake, she's power-hungry, she's ambitious. Uh, it's caused an awful lot of controversy, and uh, it's, uh, it's the latest in, in a long line of very controversial aspects of uh, this race, especially for the mayor's job. Joining us to talk about this is Joan Little. Joan, of course, is a former uh, Burlington councillor, freelance columnist now with the Hamilton Spectator, uh, specializing, obviously, in Burlington issues. Joan, great to have you on the show. Thanks for the time today. Oh, it's a good, Bill. Listen, it, we knew there was going to be a, 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 some acrimony here because, you know, Marianne Mead Ward and, and Mayor Goldwing had butted heads on a number of issues with, uh, in the last term of council. But did you see this coming, that it was going to be as, as intense as it actually has turned out to be? Yes, I actually thought it was. Uh, because Mead Ward is different from the rest of the council, and I figured she'd be a target. Uh, I don't know who's targeting her, 
Uh, but it's interesting that there's, uh, you, you'd probably know about the third-party advertising. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, five third-party advertisers listed in Burlington. One is an individual who gives contact information. The other four are numbered companies, interestingly, consecutively numbered companies, which suggests some connection between them, I would think. Anyway, uh, I, I was fully expecting something really dirty. But the, to this level, though, Joe, and I mean, I've just referenced the flyer, but there's, there's been stuff on social media. Sarah Kane, who was just in here uh, a, a couple of minutes ago talking to us about uh, the downtown issues, uh, was mentioning she went on Facebook. and there's, there's, There are Facebook postings now about this stuff, too. I mean, somebody, yes. somebody's spending a lot of money. Yes, absolutely, and you have to ask who. I don't know. Well, uh, of course, they asked Mayor Goldring about this, and he said he knew nothing about any of this stuff. Uh, he just found out about it when one of his workers, I guess, handed it to him. So we don't know where it's coming from, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's just it's surprising to see. And, and, and as I mentioned in my blog earlier today, Joan, we've seen this before. I mean, we've seen this, this kind of abhorrent misogynist attitude. We saw it in the presidential election uh, a year or so ago. We saw it on the Ontario election this past spring, uh, and now it's, it's seeped into the Burlington election. It's very troubling. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what I don't follow Bur- uh, Hamilton as closely as I do Burlington, of course. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether there's anything of that nature that I've, I've checked. You know, I've seen the odd thing, but it, it, it doesn't. It seems to be above board in Hamilton. Well, yeah, it gets a little testy from time to time, yes, but uh, but I, I guess there's a lot going on here, and and especially with the, the stuff that's going on with Marianne Mead Ward. Yes. Uh, let's face it. I mean, this is not policy-based. This is gender-based. Absolutely. Well, I don't know whether it's gender-based so much. I just think it's per- personality differences. She's uh, She was always an outspoken member of council, right? Yes, very, very much so. And I applaud her for it. Somebody needs to speak out on that council. And she did, and she uh, she appeared on our show to talk about these issues many times, and, and we talked to a number of other groups that were concerned about some of the things that are happening in downtown Burlington. Uh, and clearly, notwithstanding the fact that, as we just mentioned, there's an awful lot going on in every community to do with affordable housing, et cetera, and gentrification. But it just seems as if an awful lot of that campaign, Joan, is centered on that six or seven block area downtown. Yes, I think you're right. Although what's happening is they're seeing the six or seven blocks downtown expanding into other areas because they're afraid, you know, Aldershot, for instance, uh, was all a six-story height limit. They're building eight and nine stories in Aldershot, so it's 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 citywide, it's, and that's why the whole city is riled rather than just downtown. Well, you're you've been targeted. I mean, Burlington, Hamilton to a certain extent as well, but uh, you know, Burlington's been targeted right now, basically with the overflow from the GTA that are saying we can't afford to live there anymore. Uh, developers are saying we can't afford to build there anymore, so they're looking at at Burlington. Yes, of course they are, and it's moving to Hamilton. Yeah, we've seen a, a semblance of that in the downtown core, and so far, so good. Uh, but uh, it's it's a different animal, uh, what's going on down there in Burlington, because uh, of the unique character. And it's one of the, the I, I, I don't mean to be trite when I say it was one of the charming aspects of Burlington, but it was. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the, the streetscape, uh, the, the, the building heights, everything, just uh, I think all contributed to, to you know, I think the, the 
just the, the great uh, event and, and the uh, the joy of going down there and visiting, uh, whether it was you know at a restaurant or going down to uh, the waterfront or whatever the case might be. And and I can understand it's a justifiable concern from people who live and work down there that their city is changing around them. Well, I, I'm sure some change is inevitable, but does it all have to be 25 stories? I mean, we've, we're coming from a charming little community into, I don't know, a concrete jungle. Well, I, I, the nice thing about Burlington, one of the many nice things about Burlington is we even we talk about some of the commercial areas that are down there on Brand Street. Uh, and at the same time, though, uh, a block away, you've got these fabulous heritage buildings, these her- her large heritage homes. It's a, it's, it's very quaint. It's, it's small town, but it's a growing town at the same time. And, and traditionally, Burlington has done a pretty good job of managing growth. Uh, is, 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 is it really just the overflow from Toronto that's caused this to get, reach almost crisis proportions? I think that's probably the main thing. But, you know, you mentioned these lovely old areas. They've been uh, allowing people to uh, demolish these lovely old homes. In, in the, they're not, they're, let's be clear, they're not on the uh, designated list. But they're on, we have a list in Burlington of homes that are worthy of designation. Yeah. And you have to apply to get them taken off the list. And this council has been relentless taking them off the list. Who's pushing the buttons here? Who's, who's, who's the, the, the people uh, that are behind the scenes that are making all this happen? Is it, is it Toronto developers exclusively? Uh, I'm not sure they're Toronto developers uh, exclusively. Uh, we've got some new ones in town. Uh, well, Carriage Gate, for instance, they do Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, Bre- uh, Brent, uh, what's his name? Brent, uh, Bran- what, uh, what's the guy's name? That uh, Darko Vranich? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's apparently involved with the Waterfront Hotel, and that's p- proposed to be redeveloped. They don't know exactly just what now, but it started out they were going to build perhaps a condo and a and a, well they applied i don't i don't even recall what the big application was for but at one point it ended up he was going to have maybe a rental building and maybe a hotel now we don't know what it is and and as we mentioned we got the high rise that's going up right beside Emma's back porch too yes that's right well Yes, that that's there's an application in there too. Yeah, how does how did council perform, Joan? I mean, I I, I read your column every time in this back because it, you, you give a, a very interesting perspective on what's going on. You don't just report; you also talk about the the wires and whys of, of situations like that. And it's it's important for readers and voters to understand that what's happening. How how would you rate the performance of the last council with this problem staring them in the face? And it seemed to come up time and time again. Well, I think their heart is in the right place in a way, but I don't think they've they've grasped what the implications are of what they're doing. Um, and there's some pretty strong opinions on the council, and and that's <laughs> that's probably half the problem with the the dirty campaigning. Uh, Marianne tends to listen to the uh, to voters when, you know, this I, I I've noticed it more this term than ever before. The council is absolutely rude sometimes to delegations, and that's not Burlington's way. Burlington's always been a very soft-spoken, quiet, you know, com- community, but uh, and a very polite community. But I've seen a real shift in that, and people are getting to the point 
They don't want to appear before counsel because they feel coward. And that's wrong. So there's obviously a lot of pressure from both sides here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you understand, because you've written about the, uh, the the scenario and the constraints that are on here, and we've talked about, of course, the Places to Grow private yes. project, and, and of course that's a factor. As to how much of a factor, I guess, is obviously a, a point for debate. Uh, and and there are obviously the well it used to be the OMB now it's the tribunal yep. uh, that uh, that is going to be the, the the appeals process in situations like this and and I you know what I've got sympathy for both sides here to a certain extent John I mean you're a former counselor I was a former counselor at Hamilton you understand some of the constraints that you can say look I can vote against this but it's just going to go to get appealed and they're going to do it anyway uh, and that's frustrating but the residents are saying look at you guys have got to help us here well there are people that are. Uh, launching appeals on their own dime, and that's you know that's got uh, that's gone to quite an extent when they're doing that. You know, residents. I mean, developers have deep pockets; they can launch appeals. It's very costly for residents to do it. You know that. So they're looking for support from council in this situation. In other words, to fight the fight for them. Yes. Is it happening to the degree that it should? Uh, no, I don't think so. But the Addy development, you've probably heard about Oh, yeah, we talked about that at great length, yeah. Yeah, uh, but but uh, I noticed in the paper today that uh, they're saying it's been approved. Uh, it was, the OMB did approve it, but the um, um, city appealed or asked for a review. That was back in February, and we haven't had any answer from the review, so I wouldn't say that is a done deal. I don't know. But you would think when they applied in February for a, a review that we would have heard maybe by March or April that we're not going to review it, which leads me to believe that something's going on in that. Well, and as we all know, we've talked about this in, in, vis-a-vis Hamilton politics, uh, new city councils are not bound by old council decisions. I mean, they can reverse anything they want. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that may happen in Burlington, but uh, when you look at the logistics of, of what's happening here, uh, simply because a couple of people aren't running. Marianne Mead Ward, of course, is, is not running in Ward 2 since she's running for the mayor's job. You're, you're going to have at least two new faces on council. We're maybe going to have at least three. Uh, okay, and maybe more. I mean, yeah, you never know. we only have a seven-person council. Exactly, and, and that obviously would change the dynamic considerably, or has the potential to, anyway. Oh, completely. It depends who gets in. And I can't call this election. The mayoralty, the, the individual wards, there are so many issues in so many wards. I, I don't know who to guess. With some long-time incumbents, I mean, it's very much a reflection on what we see here in Hamilton, some long-time incumbents that are probably going to get back in. But with new uh, and vacant seats right now, there's always this possibility, uh, first of all, who's going to get elected, and B, what they bring to the table, and uh, especially when it comes to some of these other issues. I mean, you, you've written about you know the new street bike lane project and some other things that have gone on over the last little while. Uh, and those are still important, and I, I guess the concern here is you don't want some of those other issues to get shoved off to the side. Well, well, that's true, too. But you know something? I don't think incumbency is the big deal this time in Burlington that it was before. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, it's always hard to beat an incumbent, and it depends the quality of the candidates that are running against them and so on, and the number because if there's if there are several running, you know they they split and the incumbent walks down the middle. But I'm not so sure that there might there could be one or two changes in the incumbents even. I'm not so I don't know what's going to happen. 
That's a headline uh, because that, as you heads, I think it's the number I saw was I think it's ninety four percent of incumbents. This is uh, this province wide, not just Burlington. Yes, ninety four percent of incumbents usually get elected. In other words, you have to mess up really badly, or or there's such a contentious issue right now that uh, that uh, you know they want to punish somebody, and we've seen that happen where incumbents have lost their jobs, and <laughs> sure surprisingly have. so. We sure have. So, and there's there's hardly a lack of issues here, especially contentious issues in this election. Uh, we were just mentioning a few minutes ago about about the voter turnout uh, and and where it is. And Hamilton is actually below the provincial average. How do you anticipate Burlington voters reacting? I I know you've already had the advance polls uh, out of the last couple of days, but on election day, what do you anticipate seeing, Joan? Well, I don't know because uh, the the Hamilton Burlington this year only has four polls per ward, you know, to, uh, voting voting polls. So that's six twenty four. So uh, I'm, I'm afraid that there will be so many people at the polls that they'll say, oh, forget it, and just go home. I'm worried about that. And if we had Internet voting, and it's been messed up. Um, there are several things that have happened in it. Uh, for instance, MPAC, you probably know MPAC oh, yeah. lists, and they've done a real mess on the lists. Uh, Internet voting, for instance, there was no Joan Little uh, but and I when I phoned City Hall, it was because my birthday should have been January first, nineteen ninety. Uh, January first, nineteen hundred. That's what they had. That's what. It, and apparently, this was a default uh, birth date for several several people in Burlington. So how many of those uh, gave up trying to vote? Uh, you know, trying to vote on the internet and say, oh, what the heck with it? We'll be busy. I. So theoretically, I think the vote should, the turnout should be terrific. I think it was 34% last time. Uh, theoretically, it should be very good if people don't get frustrated and not turn up. Is the mayor's race a three-person race in your mind? Four. Oh, yes, three, yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, the, as, as the, for the potential yeah. that somebody could actually win this? Between Mary and me, Ward, Rick Goldring, and, and Mike Wallace? Yes, I think so. Uh, I, I I don't know. I couldn't call it. I haven't heard much from the Wallace campaign. Give us an idea what's going on. Mike, of course, is a former councillor in Burlington uh, who left that job, became an MP for a number of years, and uh, now is trying to get back in, of course, as the head of council. Uh, is, is, is he resonating with voters? That's hard to read. When you go to the debates, he's been very credible. Um, but he was the architect of the seven-person council. Uh, because he was the one that was doing all the lobbying when that got passed. We went from 17 to 7. I forget what year it was, but many, several years ago. And he was the architect of that. And now he's saying the council is too small because there are so many 4-3 votes. And he thinks we should have an extra couple. So whether that will resonate with voters, I don't know. The fact that he was the architect of it, and now he wants to change it. Um, uh, but all three campaigns have been pretty good campaigns. Um, it, I, I don't know how to read it, Bill. 
and and that's the whole thing. I, I want to clarify for our listeners. Uh, we, we were talking about some of the smear tactics that are going on, and there's to this point, there's no association with any of the other campaigns at this point. Uh, no. This is this is third party stuff that's going on, and uh, and and everyone is denying any affiliation with it at all. So we don't know exactly where it's coming from. But it from that I, I, it's still going to be controversial, obviously, because there's a huge difference in in approaches between the three main candidates for the mayor's job right now. So I would imagine the debates have been pretty lively. Yes, they have. Uh, but the only one, really, that was taking pot shots in the debates, I mean, naming people and stuff, was the mayor, surprisingly. And he's a really decent guy. But for, he must have lost his cool. I don't know. Uh, everybody was attacking each other's uh, stands and, and what they've done and so on. That, that's fair ball. That's what it's about. It's... But uh, I was surprised at Rick uh, taking Marianne to task. And the way he did, and the audience was quite taken aback by it. That was twice during the mayoral debate. Sounds like it's out of character for him. I've, I've yes, got to know Mayor Goldwyn pretty well since he comes in here. Yeah, he does the town halls here with us all the time. Yes. It's going to be a very interesting Monday night, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Looking forward to it. Uh, Me too. Joan, thanks as always. Great having you on the program again. I'm sure we'll talk after the uh, dust settles with this election. We'll we'll kind of go through the, uh, the, <laughs> the cinders here and see what's left, okay? We'd love to do that. All right, take care. Thanks, bye. Joan Little, of course, former counselor and, of course, freelance columnist uh, with The Spectator on Burlington Issues. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's get into... Uh, Relations between Queen's Park and Ottawa. Now, sometimes this can be pretty frosty, and it has been in the past, and we would know some famous instances where that's happened. Uh, other times, there has been a sense of cooperation. But tensions seem to be ramping up right now between the federal government and uh, the Ontario government, the Ford government. Uh, the Premier's office says that uh, he uh, will not be meeting this week with Dominic LeBlanc, who is the International Affairs Minister, uh, who's also in charge of interprovincial relations. Uh, he was, he's in Queen's Park. And says, can I meet with the premier? It apparently asked a few days ago. And they said, no, he's too busy. Well, can you meet with him the next day? No, he's too busy. Uh, and it's, it's, it's falling in line very much with some of the other statements that the premier has made about uh, the, the federal government, the liberal government, on other issues, obviously about carbon taxing and things of this nature. And it just seems as if they're uh, building a wall here instead of trying to build bridges. Uh, what are the implications? Obviously, uh, you'd like to think that provincial governments and the federal government can work together, at least on some issues. Let's ask Richard Brennan about that, a retired journalist with the Toronto Star who covered both uh, Queen's Park and Parliament Hill for many, many years. Uh, Richard, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Hi, Bill. How are you? Great today. Uh, but listen, as I mentioned on the offset here, uh, it's not unusual for them to be some friction between provincial governments and federal governments on issues like this, but it just seems as if Ford is uh, is starting to build walls here. It's just like uh, I don't want to talk about anything to do with Trudeau or his government. Well, he needs this is a he needs an he needs an enemy, and you know he can't pick on Kathleen Wynne anymore. That's like you know kicking somebody when they're down. Uh, he obviously doesn't see uh, the NDP as a threat, so he's looking for an enemy. And this is this is not this has happened time before, time and time again before. I can think back when Bob Ray he was he was constantly fighting with Mulroney. And, and it's 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 politics at its best and its worst. Instead of instead of trying to get along with the federal government and and build some bridges, he sees this as an opportunity to feather his nest with with uh, his core supporters, go after 
go after Trudeau, say that you know he he screwed up uh, the you know the release of uh, marijuana uh, legalization of marijuana. He said he screwed up that just today. He said that the, he was speaking to the Ontario Provincial Police Association annual general meeting and accused the prime minister of being, you know, uh, in the witness protection program when it comes to defending his, you know, his release of, of marijuana across the country. And he, he's done that with, uh, with a trade now, what the new NAFTA, if you will. He said before, before it was a signed deal or a tentative deal, he said he was shoulder to shoulder with the federal yeah, government, yeah. and now he's he's been lambasting the federal government for the what he says are shortcomings in in the deal. But this is uh, this is kind of you know this is old school politics where it's it's easy to pick you know to pick a fight with the federal government. It, it plays to your base, and then you you really don't have to you know deal with much else back home if you're fighting with the federal government you know you've you've said i'm i'm the madman that's going to stick up to the stick up for you against the federal government on many levels and he goes from there well and let's talk about the trade issue because that, that may be part of the uh, the undercurrent with uh, what's happening with uh, minister leblanc as well, because uh, uh, your point's well taken. I mean, he did say he stood shoulder to shoulder with the the, the the Liberal government during those negotiations. LeBlanc contends that there was a meeting after the deal was signed with uh, the Premier, and he said, okay, yeah, we can accept that. We can work with this. In other words, he seemed to be conciliatory about it, walked right out of the room and started blasting them for the whole thing. And he said, you know, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I think the phrase he used was put a sock in it. I mean, that's that's not what you told us just the day before. So there's some growing animosity here, and you ought to wonder, is, is the Premier doing this to play to his base? And obviously the rural base. I mean, I'm sure he heard from the dairy farmers, like everyone else did, you know, they were complaining about the deal to begin with. And, and Ford, I think the deal, the, the, the day the deal was signed was, I think he was actually doing that plowing match, wasn't he? Up in Chatham-Kent? So. I mean, so, you know, he's right in the heart of it right there, and obviously he's going to play to that crowd. Well, this is political opportunism. You know, it, let, let's face it, like I said, this, is, this has been done before, and it, it's, it's, it's crass politics, but quite frankly, it works. He, he will, there will be people that say, you know, right on, you know, about time somebody stood up to Trudeau and his shenanigans, if you will. And he's, he's painting that himself as, you know, as the, the conquering hero that the guy is going to do it. But I think if, Bill, if we boil this all down, I think that he's bored. Really? I really do. I think he's bored because he's, he's, a, he's a guy that likes to campaign. The campaign's over. So he's, he's looking for a new campaign, and that's a campaign against the federal government. Well, I mean, you know, again, I, and I, I know people shudder every time you try to create analogies between Donald Trump and Rob Ford, and I'm not trying to suggest that on a personality basis or anything like that, but I'm talking about political styling. There are a lot of similarities. And, and to your point, Richard, I mean, Trump has never stopped campaigning. No. He, you know, he goes to rallies. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he did that a couple of days after the election, he, and he continues to do that. I mean, uh, obviously, they, they may be taking a page from that playbook and simply saying, look, go on the attack. That's where he's in his comfort zone. And tell people what you're doing is the biggest and best ever in the history of the world. Yeah. 
And oh, I hear that, you know, just today when he was speaking to the OPPA, he was saying that they, they've given, they're going to give more money to the Ontario Provincial Police, so, or the Ontario Provincial Police, I should say, for a new radio system. And it's more money than ever been given to the OPP in, in the history of Canada. <laughs> it's, so there's, there are some similarities. But this, this is not, it is not good. I wouldn't think, and I believe, that you start a war with the federal government, and that's that's what that's what it is. It's, it's basically a, a a full campaign against the federal government, trying to build your your uh, I guess status up in in the political world across Canada. I mean, there's already people saying that he's got he's got eyes on on, on running federally. I don't know if I buy that, but you know, it maybe does. Well, they've got the yeah. They charted it out. Uh, you know, if the Liberals do win the election and and they're winning in the polls again, uh, although you never know what's going to happen by next October, but if they were to win another majority government, uh, the speculation from those that feel that that, that may be happening is that well, Andrew Shear's not going to be around much longer. He's not going to stay in opposition. This was his one shot at it. I, I'm not even sure if that's going to happen. I mean, they they said that about every leader. Stephen Harper was supposed to get booted out after Paul Martin won the election. He didn't. And ended up winning the subsequent election, so I'm not so sure if there's a there's a clear path there. But Ford's got to be feeling pretty big about himself and pretty good about himself right now. I mean, not too many people gave him a shot at winning the leadership. Not too many people gave him a shot at winning the the general election. Uh, and he's got to be feeling this. Hey, I got you know I, I'm 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 on a winning streak right now. Well, if he starts taking French lessons, then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but that's aside. I mean, it's it's the matter of building relationships. I mean, what LeBlanc apparently wanted to talk about was building trade relationships. And in light of this new deal, that's a conversation I think the premier would want to have at some point. Well, he's what what, what he's what he's doing is he's 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 playing he's playing the game. Well, I'll be available when I want to be available. I'm the premier of Ontario. You don't. Come down here, you know, and treat me like a like a second, a poor second cousin, and tell me that I've got to jump when you arrived. So it, it's it's all a game. It's interesting uh, since he won't meet with him. Uh, LeBlanc is going to meet, but he's meeting with uh, Jim Wilson and Norm Miller, uh, two of the junior members. Well, Miller, of course, is uh, uh, house, and, and then of course you got Jim Wilson, who's I think economic development minister. But Jim's been around a long time. Yeah, he's Actually, been. I think he'll get. More done meeting with Jim Wilson, quite frankly. Well, because Wilson is—he's he, been around for about five thousand years at Queens Park, of oh, course, yeah. and he's—he's—I he's, uh, hate to use the term because I hate to use these designations, but he's—he's he's a moderate conservative, and and would probably sit down there. He's a very congenial guy. I've had the opportunity to talk to him a number of times. I, I think it's probably be a better and, and, and more productive meeting with Wilson than oh, it would absolutely. have been with the premier. Well, because Jim knows politics. He—you he, know—he's been—he's held several senior portfolios. And uh, the Harris government and and the Eve government. So I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I think he'll be. I really do. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It'll be far more productive that to, because the premier is some in some ways like Trump is that he he's got a short attention span, and it, it's just you know the next shiny object that comes along. So I mean, this may be for the best, quite frankly. 
Well, and he, he loves to talk in sound bites. Uh, and, and as I say, my experience with Jim Wilson, he's a lot more cerebral than that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and so it might be a productive meeting. But this goes back. I mean, this animosity between uh, Queen's Park and, and Ottawa has gone on. I mean, the most recent one where I think was very acrimonious, of course, was Jim Flaherty and Dwight Duncan. Uh, when Dalton McGuinney was elected, and Dwight Duncan was his finance minister. Uh, of course, those two sparred, I guess, when they were both at Queen's Park, didn't they? Oh, oh they did, but, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a certain respect uh, between the two of them at Queen's Park. I, that's my uh, interpretation of it. But I, that, that really d- disappeared when, when uh, Jim became the finance minister. Uh, and and as, as I mentioned, of course, for the Harper government, and there was some acrimony between Dalton McGinney and Stephen Harper to begin with. Uh, so obviously the, the two le- lieutenants, uh, the, you know, the finance ministers seem to carry that out. And, and the, the, the linchpin there was obviously the, the harmonized sales tax, the HST proposal, uh, that Flaherty had been chiding Duncan for not joining in on. And eventually, I, I suppose they won that battle. Well, the other the other thing to be concerned here too. Okay, let's say this this battle continues and it really takes on a life of its own. Well, the federal government, you know, they can uh, they can push back too, and well, how they do that is with funding. Yeah, that would be my concern. That's why I say, you know, there's certainly a downside to this. Well, and let's face it, they're the big dog here, and the provinces don't like to admit that. But I mean, the federal government, as you say, has an awful lot of tools here. Uh, and, and it just seems as if Ford has, has decided, look, it, I'm taking these guys to court about carbon taxing, so I can't be the guy's friend. That's all there is to it. And, uh, and you've got to wonder what other files are going to suffer as a result, because you do still have to build those relationships up between the, the, the federal government, of course, and, and e- any provincial government, really. Well, it's funny you mentioned the carbon tax, because there's just a story out just moments ago, is that the uh, parliamentary uh, budget officer, I'll call them, and they don't call that in the provincial level, but anyway, has figured out it's going to cost $3 billion to get rid of the carbon the carbon tax. Yeah. Not the carbon tax. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big chunk of change. I know, I know the government was a little nervous about that, knowing the report came. By the way, that guy is, a, is an independent. He does not work for the government. No. Uh, and, and obviously, he's, he's crunched the numbers on this. And we anticipated there was going to be a substantial cost. Uh, and that's going to uh, cause some rather inter- interesting questions, I would think, once they get back into the House, that, Richard, uh, uh, especially if a finance minister, Vic Fidelli, where are you going to find the money? Yeah, and plus, that it would have continued, you know, if we if we kept a, um, it's not called carbon tax, excuse me, but... Uh, well, cap and trade cap in Ontario. Trade, thank you. Uh, cap and trade. That it would continue to bring money in. Yeah, I'd be interested to read the report because there's, there's there's really two parts. There's the lost revenue, yeah, and then there's the cost of of actually canceling the contracts and the programs. And uh, so I'm not sure if that three billion that he talked about here is all inclusive or. If I'm it's, not sure. I just gave a quick glance before yeah. I came on it, but it, it, it would probably be lost. It would uh, what it will cost to wind it down. I would think. So that's a, another issue, obviously, that they're going to have to deal with here, and, and maybe another reason why the Premier didn't want to meet with LeBlanc about this today. Uh, there have been meetings in the past between the Prime Minister and the Premier, but it just seems as if things are getting a little shaky right now. Uh, it's the old idea, I guess, known, you know, you're known for the company you keep. I mean, you know, Ford seemed to, to go out west and uh, talk to Premier Moe and to Jason Kenney on a couple of different occasions, I guess ostensibly about the lawsuit and about carbon taxing. But that just seemed to embolden him, and he came back here, and there was a lot more rhetoric, uh, anti-Trudeau rhetoric. Oh, no, no. he. I mean, he was out west, and... He felt right, right in his own, uh, you know, with uh, 
Jason Kenney and and uh, you know, spouting you know spouting the uh, the uh, I guess taking the line that the federal government is uh, the 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 evil man here and uh, it has to be dealt with. That's I mean that and he came back like you said he was emboldened by it. Is there an opportunity here for the the good cop bad cop uh, scenario that somebody else in in Ford's cabinet can try to reach out and establish those relationships? Oh, oh, there's always there's always you know the the back channels. Yeah, for sure. You know somebody can come across as you know, if you will, as the ambassador uh, to try and forge some kind of agreement or relationship, if you will. With with the federal government, it'll be a kind of back channel, but that that won't that won't stop the that won't stop the rhetoric from uh, forward. Yeah, don't pay pay no attention to the guy behind the curtain, right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> Richard, always a pleasure. Thanks for this today. Okay, Bill. Thanks a lot. Richard Brennan, of course, uh, who covered Queens Park and Parliament Hill for many many years. The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.